0: We're in a series titled "Cool Yule Why Christmas is the best thing ever." Why Christmas is the best thing ever. Now children normally think Christmas is the best thing ever. When I was a kid I thought it was the best thing ever, not at least children do because there was oh, because you know there's a, a lot of uh, good food, sweets, gifts, right? And uh, and all the traditions that come with Christmas. Uh, and all of you families have your own traditions, uh, but I, I want us to uh, to just think about the fact that it it really is the best thing ever for all of us, even as adults. And for us, maybe not not for the same reasons. I mean, adults we like to get gifts, but um, I, I don't mind if somebody gives me a pair of socks. Or I used to get ties when I wore ties. I don't wear ties much anymore, except for you know for some more. Uh, serious uh, uh, services or events but uh, I don't mind small gifts so it's not so much a gifts uh, but we still uh, love Christmas and I was I want us to understand why it it really is the best thing ever I started this series two weeks ago by saying that I love Christmas because for an entire month or more we get to hear about Jesus in moments that we normally wouldn't hear about Jesus. Any other time of the year, you wouldn't be going into the stores to shop and hearing songs about Jesus. But now you go into the mall, you go into Kohl's, you go into, you know, whatever store Target and you hear songs about Jesus. You go to the coffee shops, you hear songs about Jesus. Everywhere we go, we're hearing songs about Jesus. And I love that idea that people who don't know Jesus are hearing about Him when they go shopping or when they turn on the radio or, or on TV. Everywhere we go, we encounter the story of the birth of Jesus. Even even Hallmark movies. Even Hallmark movies. Last night, uh, I, was, no, I wasn't watching. There was just a Hallmark movie on. right? I was in the room. So it was on. And, uh, but I did catch... Uh, you know, they they sang Joy to the World, the Lord has come. And then they sang in this movie part of the, you know, part of the uh, the, the dialogue that led to the singing. They were uh, celebrating Christmas and they sang Oh Holy Night, really nice, pretty. They, even, they, even Hallmark movies celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, is there a secular side to the Christmas celebration? Of course there is. Yeah, there's a secular side of it. But even that part of the season is... His season. Jesus is still the reason for the season. And, and in, so the secular side exists because of Jesus. And, and I just feel like the more people celebrate the season, even if it's in a secular way, the more likely they are to experience the, His presence and to hear the message in, in a way that perhaps will change their lives. And so I pray that during this season, God will speak to the hearts of the unsaved, people who... Uh, who don't know God, even atheists. Uh, there's a, a lady that I follow on, on Twitter, and she's a real good follower. If you're on Twitter, she's a real good follower. Follow Her name is Sarah Salviander. She's a PhD in astrophysics. She teaches at the University of Texas. And um, she's a devout Christian, but she grew up an atheist. She grew up in an atheist home. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where she's from. She said she grew up in an atheist home in a secular country. Uh, at any rate, she's super smart super smart, as you can imagine, but she's a Christian, and she tweeted uh, last week that even when she was an atheist, she said there was something about the Christmas songs that resonated with her. She didn't know why, but there was just something about the Christmas songs that kind of called to her, like deep calling to deep, the scriptures say, and so eventually she became a Christian, and she's an apologist. Now she she shares she shares the faith through science and in ways that I, I don't understand, but I just believe that the Holy Spirit speaks in 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 um, in in these ways uh, to many people during the holiday season. So that's why I think Christmas is the best thing ever. Now, in week one, two weeks ago, we we saw that Christmas is the best thing ever because it reveals, The God whose arms are open wide. It reveals a God whose arms are open wide. Last week, the message was this. Christmas is the best thing ever because it demonstrates that nothing is impossible with God. And today's message is going to be this. Is there a big idea for today? Christmas is the best thing ever because it teaches us to make choices that create joy in our lives. Christmas is the best thing ever because it teaches us to make choices that create joy in our lives. Christmas is about joy, right? We say, Merry Christmas. Sometimes even our decorations just say, Merry. Have you seen those? It just says, Merry. Not even Christmas because Christmas, we know, is about uh, cheer. Uh, Merry Christmas. uh, It's about joy. We, We sing joy to the world. We sing the song, Uh, A song called Wild by My Sheep, Joy, Joy, Joy. We repeat that line and this song over and over, joy, joy, joy. What is joy? Well, I love this definition that I heard from Kay Warren, husband of Rick Warren. I love this definition of joy. She says that joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. And uh, I I appreciate that this definition from her because she and her husband lost uh, uh, their youngest son. Who died uh, by his own hand. And, And so tragic. You can just imagine. And yet, you know, she talks about the joy of the Lord. Joy, that quiet confidence that ultimately, even though you're going through a painful time, ultimately, everything will be all right. It may not be all right right now, but because God is in control, He's going to work it out. Ultimately, everything will be all right. Joy is a determined choice that we make to praise God or to honor God and to thank God in all things. And so that's a whole lot different than just feeling something, the joy that you just kind of feel. Joy is a choice that we choose to make. It's a commitment. And God wants you to live a joy-filled life. It would be great, wouldn't it, if we all had joy all the time? It might be a little creepy, though. Uh, The reality is that um, we don't have joy all the time because we live in a broken world. This is a broken world. Eventually... This world will be redeemed. This earth will be redeemed. But for right now, there are certain barriers that keep us from experiencing joy. And so several of the characters in the Christmas story, we're only, only going to look at two. The, I could have talked about five, but I narrowed it down to two just for the sake of time today. That in, uh, Characters in the Christmas story that faced barriers to experiencing joy, but they made decisions that helped them to create joy in their lives. Now the the barriers to joy, one of these barriers to joy is fear. Fear, when we're afraid, it's hard to be joyful. We're afraid it's hard to be joyful. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a lot of reasons to be afraid, didn't she? She had a lot of reasons to be afraid. And, And first of all, she wasn't that old. Mary, when she gave birth to Jesus, was probably 14 or 15. She might have been 13. We don't really know. Uh, back then, girls got married as young as 12 in some cases. Got married very, very young. So she's not some mature woman in her 30s, as we often see her presented in movies or you know drawings, paintings. Uh, she wasn't a mature woman with life experience. She was a very young girl. She's not in her 30s. She wasn't even in her 20s. She's barely a teenager, young, young, and she's engaged to be married to this, uh, to this man named Joseph, and she has what is called a virgin birth. What in the world is that? Talk about oxymorons, right? A virgin birth. That never happened to anybody in the past, uh, to, to, for a woman to give birth without a husband, you know, without a man. That never happened? How do, how do you explain that to your parents? If you're a young teenager and you haven't been with a man and yet you're, you're pregnant, I mean, all kinds of problems, right? For a young girl, again, very young girl. She's single in a small town. This is a, a small town, literally just hundreds of people, not thousands of people in this town. Can you imagine the gossip about a young girl who's single becoming pregnant? Can you imagine the, the scandal and then she's going around saying, not that she went around saying this, but you can just you know, imagine that she'd be going around saying, oh, I'm pregnant, but you know, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You know, Nobody would believe that. Just a scandal. And then right before she gives birth, literally just a few days before the end of her nine-month pregnancy, she has to get uh, on a donkey. The Bible doesn't say that they traveled on a donkey, but this was the most probable case. When she and Joseph traveled from their city, Nazareth, to Bethlehem, which would have been about 90 miles. It doesn't, you know, today 90 miles. We go from here to Abilene in an hour and a half. Back then it was a two, sometimes maybe a three-day journey. And it would have been either walking or on a donkey. How many of you ladies would like to be nine months pregnant riding a donkey for three days? I don't, I didn't think so. And then when she gets to Bethlehem, there's no place to stay, so they have to stay uh, the night in a stable with a bunch of farm animals. Here's this young girl again. Let's just say she's 14 years old, who's never had a relationship with a man, never had a baby. She delivers her own baby without her mom, without her aunt, without a midwife. Can Can you just imagine... The the situation, no doctor, no physician by herself. That's why in this first story of Christmas, the word afraid is used over and over. Every time an angel shows up, the first thing he says, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So what choice did Mary make then that allowed her to create joy in her life? Here's the answer. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept His plan. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept His plan. When the angel came to Mary and told her that she would give birth to a son and began to explain everything, and she had questions, right? The Bible says that she was troubled in her spirit. She was confused, like, how can this be? I don't know a man. I haven't been with a man. So she was confused, but after the angel explained everything, you're with child, and this child is of the Holy Spirit. He will save the people from their sins. He will be the Messiah. After he explained this, look at her answer in Luke one thirty-eight. Luke one thirty-eight. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. She said, may everything you have said about me come true. She chose to trust God and accept His plan. She was fearful, no doubt. She was anxious, no doubt. But she chose to trust God and accept His plan. So I want to ask you today, what are you anxious about this Christmas? What's got you nervous? What are you worried about? What's keeping you up at night? What are you you afraid of? Finances? Worried about finances? Worried about your job? Worried about your health? Worried about your marriage? I mean, what what kinds of things are, are keeping you awake at night? I don't know what you're worried about, what you're anxious about, but I know the answer without really needing to know what you're going through. And I'm not trying to minimize and say, oh, it's no big deal. Just trust God. It, the things we go through are big deals. They are big deals. And they do, they do keep us awake at night. And God knows that and God cares. But if we can learn to do what Mary did, again, I've tried to paint a picture of what she was going through and some of the emotions that she had to have been going through. We've got to learn, like Mary, to trust God and accept His plan. Take everything you're worried about and just put it in God's hands because God is bigger than we are. He says in the book of Isaiah that His thoughts are wiser than our thoughts. And His ways are higher than our ways. We, we cannot comprehend. And when we go through difficult times, we need to look to somebody bigger than us. We don't want to just look to somebody who's just like us. Going through the same things and struggling the same way. We want to go to someone who's beyond our understanding. And place our lives and our situations In his hands. Just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to accept your plan. Uh, I may not understand it. But I'm not going to carry this burden by myself. This is exactly what Mary did that first Christmas. There's another great barrier to joy in, in our lives. And that is resentment. Resentment that comes from being hurt. And that's a barrier. Because how many of you know that you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time? I just... Those two things cannot coexist. Where does resentment, resentment comes from? From being hurt, from being wounded. Everybody in this room today, everybody watching online today has been hurt at one time or another. You've been wounded by someone, by their words, by their actions. And even as a child, if you were hurt, you still remember that. You still recall the people that laughed at you, that mocked you. Some people have been wounded physically. They've been abused physically. Some people have been abused sexually. About 10 or 11 years ago, I served a term at, at, uh, on the um, one of the two Tom Green County grand juries. And that was so eye-opening for me because... The first day that we met, we met in the morning, we would meet two days at a time, once a month, Um, once every other month, rather, for six months. So we met three times. So we'd meet two days at a time and we'd hear all these cases. And so the first morning, I was just like astounded with the things that were coming through, the cases of child abuse, the cases of all kinds of stuff. And so after that first morning, they took us out to eat. We walked down the street from the courthouse to Fuentes. We all walked together. And as we're walking, I remember this clearly. We're looking at each other and asking each other, what city is this? You know, because we don't move in those circles, a lot of us. And so we're not aware of uh, the people that are being hurt, that are being wounded. And, and it was just shocking. Like, is this San Angelo? I can't believe some of the things we're hearing. Uh, Happily, there were some, some funny, you know, some dumb thief, you know, uh, burglars, uh, cases that made us laugh to kind of lighten up the mood because it was heavy in there. Because there are a lot of ways that people have been hurt. But I'm telling you, regardless of how you've been hurt, you've got to deal with your response because resentment over hurt will keep joy out of your life. Bitterness keeps, keeps us from ever experiencing joy. Uh, we've all seen this with people who get hurt when they're young and they carry it their entire lives. They carry this bitterness, this resentment. They're mad. They're angry. They carry a grudge and they die bitter old man or bitter old woman, cranky, because they never learn to let go. And again, I don't want to minimize and say it's no big deal. Let it go. It is a big deal. But there's also a way for us to let it go when we Leave it in God's hands because you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. Have you ever considered how wounded Joseph must have been when he got the news that Mary, who he was uh, about to marry, his wife-to-be, the woman that he loved, all of a sudden lets him know, I'm pregnant? I mean, how bet- how betrayed would you would you be if while you were still engaged, before you got married, you found out? That your wife, that your wife to be, your fiance was pregnant. How wounded would you be by that? I mean, here you are planning your wedding. You know, you haven't slept together. You're keeping yourself for your uh, for your spouse to be, and now she's saying to you, "Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant." How how would you feel? Angry, right? Betrayed? Did I say angry? (laughs) Of course, cheated and uh, extremely disappointed and angry uh, he had every he had joseph had every right to be mad every right to be hurt how in the world can she be pregnant i know that it wasn't me and then he's also thinking about his reputation everybody else is going to think it's me and you couldn't wait and my reputation he was an honorable man and it through no fault of his own his reputation now is going to be affected but here's How Joseph responded. He didn't seek to retaliate. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get resentful. In fact, he showed her grace. He showed her grace. So here's here's what I want you to know about this. When Joseph was hurt, he chose to offer grace and let go of his hurt. He chose to offer grace and let go of his hurt. To let go of the pain. Let go of the, uh, of the wound that he was feeling. Now, think about this. God could have, could have saved Joseph all this pain if he had just told them what was going on at the same time. Right. If he had sent the angel to talk to them and say, come on, let's come together. We've got to have a meeting. Sit down. Uh, I need to tell you, uh, Mary, you're pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph would know what's going on. Right. He wouldn't have been angry. He would not have been resentful. He wouldn't have been wondering what's going on. How can she be pregnant? Why didn't God do that? Why didn't he just why did he say, you know, first to her, then to him? And, and so he's wondering. Um, Well, I I don't know the answer. I mean, I don't know what God is doing, why God didn't do it that way, except that perhaps, and I think this is a strong possibility, he was testing Joseph's character. How is Joseph going to respond? Will he respond with bitterness, with anger, or will he respond compassionately? Will he be a good and godly man, or is he going to try to get even? There were ways for him to have gotten even through the law. There were ways. Is he going to be mean? Is he going to shame her? Is he going to call her out and tell everybody she has done this? She's pregnant. I'm not the father. He could have done that. But when Joseph was hurt, he chose to offer grace and to let the pain go. So Matthew 18, we read about this. Matthew 1, 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, because he was an honorable man, He was faithful to the law, and according to the law, he could have shamed her, but he was faithful to the law, yet he didn't want to shame her, didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He simply decided to divorce her quietly. What does this mean? This literally means that he just planned to quietly call off the wedding. In fact, there are some uh, translations, if you read the New Living Translation, there are some others. They they, they uh, translate this verse that way, that he simply planned to quietly call off the wedding. You know what that is? That's grace. That's grace. He could have, by law, shamed her, brought her out into the public, public disgrace, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't dig in. He doesn't rub it in. You hurt me. Like... We're tempted to do sometimes. Ten years ago, you hurt me. I've never, and I'll never forget. You know, we tend to do that. He he doesn't do that. He says, okay, I don't understand what's going on. Remember the angel hadn't spoken to him yet. He's just like, she's pregnant. I just, I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to shame her. We're going to just call off the wedding. He's just doing the best he can with the information he has. That's all he can do. So the question for us today is, who has hurt you deeply? Because we've talked that we've all been hurt at one time or another. Who has hurt you? What person has hurt you deeply, perhaps more than anybody else? You probably know immediately. In fact, they probably came to mind right now. The situation has probably come to mind. Somebody who has hurt you and and you're legitimately wounded. It's a real pain, a real hurt. You didn't ask for it. You didn't deserve it. The second question is this, uh, this, are you you still hanging on to that hurt? Because if you are, then I can guarantee you, you're not going to experience the joy of Christmas, the joy that God wants you to have. Because again, you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. Do you know that resentment is one of the most useless emotions in the world? Resentment? It's one, of the, it's one of the most worthless, maybe the most worthless emotion in the world. What good does resentment do? How does that emotion help us? It just makes us feel worse. If somehow we keep hanging on uh, to, to the hurt, uh, to the wound, again, it's a legitimate wound, but we, we hang on to it. Does that make us feel better over and over? We're thinking about it and how to get back at this person how wrong this person is, and all it does is it it feeds more and more pain in our lives, more and more uh, wounds in our lives. And somehow we think that holding on to that, and I don't know why this why we think this way, but I've had this happen, we somehow think that by holding on to this pain, we're getting even with them. You know, they're at home eating bonbons, you know, They're, they're happy as can be. you're not hurting them, you're only hurting yourself. While you're thinking about, oh, what that person did to me. They're at home relaxing, watching Hallmark movies. They're happy as could be. You're not hurting them. They haven't thought about that pain maybe for years. You're just making it worse and worse. Now, I, I, I do need to say here something very important. That when it involves a crime, sexual abuse, physical abuse, yes. That needs to be reported immediately. I'm not saying to those of you who have, uh, you know, who have had a crime committed against you, let it go. I mean, you, you spiritually and emotionally can let it go, but you need to make sure that legally it gets taken care of. But Joseph, it wasn't a legal issue in that way. There wasn't a crime that had been committed against him. Although according to the law, he had a right to uh, to humiliate Mary. But happily, God didn't keep Joseph in the dark forever. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 1.20. After he had considered this. Remember, he's considering just divorcing her quietly. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph immediately did that. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And because he didn't get bitter, because he handled it this way, and then because he obeyed what God told him through the angel, God blessed him in an incredible way. Can you imagine being the, the, or having the privilege of being the stepfather of the Son of God? The stepfather to the Messiah. The stepfather to the Savior of the world. God blessed him, I I believe, because he didn't respond with bitterness and resentment and anger. And so as I finish today, let me just tell you, you've got some choices to make. I've got some choices to make. We all do. We've got to decide what we want in life. Do we want to be bitter, angry? Uh, or do we want, want to be blessed? Do we want to be, do we want to be joyful? It's, it's up to you. God will give you that choice. But if you're going to choose joy, if you're going to make decisions that create joy in your life, like Mary, you've got to choose to trust God and accept His plan. And like Joseph, you've got to choose to show grace. Show grace and let it go when people hurt you. And showing grace, here's the thing. Grace is messy. When you show grace, okay, I I forgive you. I'm going to let it go. When you show grace, it's messy because, think about this, because grace is always offered in the context of sin. If there were no sin, you don't need to offer grace, right? So grace is only offered in the context of sin. So of course it's going to be messy. And relationships are messy. And you think all oh, this drama all oh, this i mean you can choose to get bitter over all that or you can just choose to offer grace and let it go and like joseph experienced a great blessing from god so what a great message a message we heard from the children today and and the message of this story what a great message for us christmas is the best thing ever cuz it it just reminds us that we can choose we can choose to to create or to make choices that will create joy we can choose to have joy in our lives christmas story teaches us that to make the choices that create joy in my life in our lives and i want joy i want joy i want to celebrate even when things are hard even you know even when we're going through difficulties, even when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, that we have that settled assurance that God is in control. Choose joy today. Choose joy today. Let me pray for you. As I have been saying throughout this morning's message, there are some of you that are going through difficult times. The last thing I want to do is to minimize this and say, it's no big deal, just choose joy. That's not what I'm saying. God understands more than any of us. God understands your pain. God understands your fear, your confusion. God knows all those things. And God just wants you to trust Him. So He can, so He can pour joy into your life. So I'm going to invite you to bow with us in prayer. Father, we come to you today so thankful for the promises we have. In your word. So thankful, dear God, that, that we don't have to face life alone. Because life is hard. And for some people, Christmas is so hard because when everybody else is smiling and rejoicing and singing, there are others that are going through the most difficult times of their lives. The most difficult times of their lives. So I pray for them. That they would be able to trust you. It might seem so hard to do, but if they can learn to put everything in your hands, to accept your plan, to just believe you. Your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are wiser than our thoughts. So we don't want to make decisions based simply on our understanding, but we want to trust in you. So I pray for that person who's struggling, that person who's hurting, that person who's wounded, that person who has just not been able to let go, of the pain. That they would find healing through you right now. Healing, Father, as we turn to you right now. We pray this in Jesus' name.